Good morning, Father Russell. Good morning, Father Emo. How are you? Uh, very, very well indeed. Thank you. Lovely talking to you on this beautiful day here in Johannesburg. Yes, indeed. It's going to be another hot day. Absolutely, yes. Father Russell, let's have a look. Get some Catholic comment from you. The Holy Father is in South America, in Chile and Peru, and um, we haven't seen anything, as far as I know, on South African television about his visit. So let's try and give people a little bit of a taste of what he's doing and what he's said, some relevant things. He's given an apology for sex abuse in Chile as one of the issues, but he's also, also been speaking about things like unity and, uh, and, and that sort of thing. So give us a bit of a taste, but uh, maybe focus a little bit on his apology for sex abuse in Chile. Yes, indeed. Um, so the Holy Father is on a week's visit to Chile and Peru, and he started off really the first few days of his uh, three-day visit to Chile were largely dealing with um, the bitter legacy there um, of the church sex abuse scandals. And the Pope made uh, an apology on Monday. In fact, in his first speech in front of government officials, he, he, he said that um, you know, he was ashamed and uh, that he felt pain uh, for the abuse that had taken place. He later on reiterated that when he spoke to uh, priests and religious. And it's also there have been reports of him having a secret meeting uh, with uh, survivors of sex abuse, where some people are saying that the Holy Father himself even uh, shed tears when he was listening uh, to their their stories, and and you know, I, it, it's a very difficult thing to deal with. Um, the real issue in Chile, I think, outside of the United States and of Europe, the next place that was really rocked by child sex abuse cases was in uh, Chile itself. And what happened there was uh, there was a, a certain father, Fernando Cardima, who was found guilty of abusing minors over a number of decades. And the Vatican found him guilty in 2011, and they sent him to live a solitary life of uh, penance and prayer, as they do. But what caused the great scandal was there were two bishops that were close to Cardima, uh, and uh, one of them was the military chaplain. But, but four years later, so that would have been 2015, the Vatican, Pope Francis, appointed this guy, Juan Barros, to the city of Osorno as bishop. And the people protested that. And the Vatican came out saying that they've got no reason to believe that there was anything wrong with Osorno, that he didn't uh, cover it up, um, that he didn't know about it and they would not reverse uh, the, the appointment. And this uh, got very, many people very angry um, uh, with, the, with, with the Vatican. There have been numerous protests about this and so forth. And then the Pope himself basically said to a group of uh, Chileans, um, this was back then, who were visiting the Vatican, that they mustn't be pulled into leftist politics and believe the things that are being said about this bishop. And I noticed that yesterday... In a St. Martin of Crux, uh, now.com, who's traveling with the Holy Father, uh, wrote a piece where she actually interviewed uh, both bishops who were implicated. They vehemently deny that they knew anything. They, they knew about his other misdemeanors, apparently. Uh, he's, because this fellow seemed to be uh, going wrong in all sorts of areas, this Karajima. He was spending money. Apparently he was, uh, you know, uh, really kind of uh, treating people very badly, using bad language and all sorts of things, and they claim to know some of that. Um, His willingness only to mix with the elite, but they say that they never knew about the sex abuse. So the Holy Father himself has been um, criticized um, quite severely because of what has happened 
uh, in Chile and because of the appointment he made. There is a, a, a backstory, and I think some mainstream media have reported on the Pope's apology and saying that the Pope had appointed uh, this fellow knowing that he, he, he was uh, you know, covering up abuse and so forth, or there were allegations of it. The problem is that we've got to understand how bishops are appointed as well, and it's not always simply just the Pope who knows the person and chooses the person. There's a whole process, and the names are given to the Pope, and the Pope is the one who basically signs uh, those people off as bishops. It doesn't necessarily mean that he handpicked these people, uh, but that's another story altogether. So that has really been the focus of, the, of these first few days in Chile and uh, a lot of international press about this and a lot of criticism, once again, of the way that the church has handled uh, child sex abuse. Mary Collins, who was on the Pontifical Council for Minors, yesterday came out again saying that the church is still not taking uh, the, the plight of people who have been abused seriously. Uh, you know, one of my critiques would be maybe this pope has not done enough about uh, the, the sex abuse thing. We still have, uh, you know, this kind of shady thing about, uh, you know, how these cases are dealt with and how people in authority um, have dealt with these cases. So, so that's really been the focus of the visit. But yesterday, um, it's interesting that the Pope turned to another very big theme in Chile, and that's Chile's troubled history of oppression of its indigenous peoples, which today still fuels deep uh, political resentments and even violence. And he, he did this at a, a sort of landmark place, uh, the Makihu Airport, I think it's pronounced, uh, which was once a detention center and a torture center uh, during um, the military government under Augusto Pinochet. And uh, the Pope there uh, called for, once again, nonviolence and unity. And he, he said that the place uh, we, we, there needs to be a deforestation. That place was the center of a deforestation of hope. Um, so, so very strong words from the Holy Father there, basically saying you need to try to deepen your democracy. You need to look for ways of dealing with the in- injustices of the past, and that the indigenous people of uh, of Chile need to be uh, listened to. Okay, right. Well, uh, so in in fact, you would say that what the Holy Father is saying in South America is actually very, very good, very prophetic, very, uh, very loud and clear. He's, I mean, he's not mincing his words, is he? Yeah, I mean, indeed. I mean, I, I, I you know, one on the sex abuse stuff. I mean, I think it's always difficult. I mean, he's certainly come out very powerfully by saying he's pained and ashamed. Uh, and, and he identifies himself and says that, you know, he's one with the bishops of the world. Uh, you know, and, and that they all feel ashamed. And he speaks as well about how many priests are kind of being victimized uh, or or how many priests are feeling shame because of what other priests have done. So strong language. Yeah. And then pretty strong language about the political situation, talking about unity is not an idol or the result of forced integration. It's not a harmony that's bought at the price of leaving some people on the fringes. Um, you know, uh, that, that there has to be justice that's done that the indigenous peoples need to be listened to. Um, so, yeah, so, so very strong uh, words uh, from the Pope in both of those two areas. Mm, okay. All right, well, listen, can, can we move on to another issue now? Because it has to do with this. I mean, he talks about unity, but division. Division yes. is, is, is also a reality, I think, not only in South America, but also in South Africa, you know. And, and Indeed. We, and we find division within political parties. Uh, we see it here between the in the DA and even in the ANC and so on. Races in the church, religions and families and so on. 
What, Father Russell, what can the church do to promote the dialogue that Pope Francis says is the only answer to healing division? You know, the, this is very important. I mean, I, th- I think we have to start off the first thing by saying, um, you know, given what's happened in the country in the last week or two, you know, and the Pope says that even in South America, he says you cannot assert yourself by destroying others or dividing because this only leads to more violence and to more division. Violence begets violence. Destruction increases, increases fragmentation and separation. And, and, and he all the time calls for dialogue. And it seems to me, you know, one of the big problems that we have in South Africa is exactly what you point to. There's not just a political party that's divided or a section of the population that's divided. We are finding division uh, all over the place and even in our own churches. We have to learn the art of dialogue. We have to learn the art of sitting down and listening to each other. This, this, this seems to be one of the only ways that, that one is going to bring about any sense of understanding. So, for example, the other day I was having a discussion with someone in our office, and the, the discussion was really about the H and M story, but we were talking about uh, the, the role of symbols in White Western culture, if one sees an owl, an owl was depicted on the badge of the school where I went uh, to, to school. And, you know, an owl is considered to be, you know, a creature of wisdom. Mm. And the person who was talking to me, someone from another culture, was saying that's very interesting because in our culture, an owl is kind of a, a symbol of witchcraft and manipulation and and, and people in my culture, you stay away from an owl. Owl is not a good omen. We have two very different understandings there of the same symbol. Mm. But it's only when we sit down and truly listen to where the other person is coming from, what they understand with, you know, what that symbol is, do we begin to maybe uh, 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 have, a, have, have a, a basis for some sort of dialogue. The, 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 the anger that's been expressed at the H&M advert is something, once again, where, you know, you hear people coming on all sorts of radio stations and saying, well, you know, I don't see what the problem is with that symbol. I, I, I don't see what the problem is, uh, you know, with the word, uh, with using the word monkey, et cetera, et cetera. Because there's just zero understanding or a willingness to understand by sitting and listening to other people and, w- and what that symbolizes for them and what it has symbolized. And I think Pope Francis is, has over and over again in so many spheres of life pushed the question that we will only move forward when we are willing to dialogue about this. If we're going to throw all sorts of, um, you know, uh, terrible uh, things at each other and if we're going to say things that are divisive, if we're not going to listen... Uh, you know, the, the, this is always going to lead nowhere. Uh, there's just no sense that, uh, you know, violence is going to just simply beget violence. And so, um, you know, I think as a church, you know, what can we do to promote uh, a true dialogue? And we have to start within the church, because we know that there are many divisive things within the church as well that need to be spoken about. Uh, and how do we really enter into uh, that genuine spirit of dialogue? I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, Pope Francis himself is a great example of, of implementing you know, what you're talking about, by dialogue. Uh, sometimes when he's met with political leaders or famous people and so on, you say, I wonder what he's going to do now. But I think that's, that's his key. 
I mean, even if you have a difference of opinion with somebody, sit down and dialogue because that's a kind of bridge that's going to bridge would be a bridge over troubled waters and bring people to talk to each other and come to some kind of understanding. So I think absolutely right. Dialogue is the key. And Francis certainly has mentioned that many times. Indeed, you know, and if you go back um, to the beginning of that second sitting of the Synod on the Family in 2016, right on the first day in his opening address, I was sitting there when the Holy Father himself said, I want everybody here to feel free to speak, to express your opinion. We may not always agree with you, but there should be the freedom to do so, and we should have the maturity to listen to differing opinions. When we do that, together we walk a path where we are able to come maybe to some sort of agreement. And one of the big problems with that document, Amoris Letizia, and the ongoing fights about it is, there are certain people who think they have everything tied up in black and white, and there is a complete unwillingness, not even to listen, even to hear that there may be a differing opinion, and that people's life situations may actually mean that they see things differently because of the experiences that they've been through. No, absolutely right. Absolutely right. So there we go. Well, I think that's a, that's a great lesson that we can learn from the Pope's visit to South America and also the importance of dialogue. Uh, Father Russell, it's 29 minutes to 8. We have to move on, but I want to give you an opportunity to speak about the Jesuit Institute and your Lenten meditations. Yes, um, we, we publish, as people know, I think uh, by now, every year we publish a, a little book for Lent. Uh, this year it's called The Long Journey to the Resurrection, Daily Reflections for Lent. It starts on Ash Wednesday. It finishes on the second Sunday of Easter. The book this year has been written by Father Nicholas King, who will be well known to many people in South Africa, and also Anne-Marie Pauline Campbell, who works at the Jesuit Institute. The book costs 100 rand, but what we've also done is we have audioed the book, the reason for this being that we have heard from a number of people that it's difficult maybe for them to sit and, um, uh, you know, read the book every day. But sitting in traffic in Johannesburg or Cape Town or wherever else, it, it gives them an opportunity to listen to that 8- or 10-minute meditation every day. So the, the book is available as an audio book and as a, a book, which you can buy um, – uh, for 100 Rand. But this year we are also, 100 Rand each, this year we are also trying something new. Other people are saying, well, you know, uh, we'll buy the book and we forget about it. So for those who subscribe for 80 Rand for the whole of Lent, they will get the reflections every day on WhatsApp. So there's another way of receiving those, uh, those reflections from the book. Every morning at 6 or 7 o'clock you will receive a copy of those reflections. We also have a book for children which is uh, called Jesus, My Friend, which is 80 Rand. And that book has also been audioed. Uh, it's actually been read by children. And both of these books have also got uh, music and, and, and meditations uh, in the audio as well. And that audio is also going for um, 80 Rand. So uh, those are the things that are available, the resources that are available from the Jesuit Institute uh, for, for Lent. And, of course, we have our annual Recollection Day for Ash Wednesday, which normally sees over 100 people coming. I'm at the Jesuit Institute in Auckland Park, starting at 9 o'clock on Ash Wednesday morning and finishing at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, which also includes uh, a mass uh, where there'll be distribution of ashes. So if you want to get lent off to a good start, 
many people take the day off work and they come to uh, that recollection day. Excellent. Wonderful. Well, I must say, I'm impressed you've got such <laughs> wonderful, brilliant ideas just to make Lent uh, um, a meaningful experience and that you've got just not the written word, but also the the, the listening word, the, the audio. So well done on that, uh, Father Russell. Thank you very much. Okay. Anything more you want to say? I think, uh, yeah, I think jo- that's all for uh, uh, today. Let's um, continue to uh, watch and see what's happening in South Africa in these days. We're into very... Um, what, what can one say? Exciting political times where um, at the moment there seems to be a great purge in the security cluster of all sorts of people that have been problematic. And I suspect we're going to hear a few more things in the next couple of days. Well, good. I'm always happy to hear that. Russell, be, give us... Just be, go, uh, be cautiously optimistic. Yes, wonderful. Give us your uh, your uh, an email address, please. The, 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 the website, rather. Uh, it's very simple. It's Jesuit Institute, one word. Dot org dot ZA. There you go. As easy as that. Father Russell, thank you very much for sharing with us. It's always interesting listening to what you have to say. And uh, I hope that the, con- the continued visit of our Holy Father to South America will give lots of hope and direction to the people of that beautiful continent. Indeed. Okay. Thank you so much indeed. Have a good day. Thank you. That was Father Russell Pollock talking to us about the Pope's visit. He's presently in Chile and will be going to Peru and then back to Rome, I think, in about four or five days. And talking about division and the importance of dialogue in bridging the opposite opinions that so many people have. Dialogue, a very, very important means of overcoming division. Hi, I am Father Russell Pollitt from the Jesuit Institute, and you are tuned in to Radio Veritas, where we bring you the good news for a change. Radio Veritas. Your Catholic Connection.